My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. Like, oh, here we go, Mark. Off again with your... Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, it's like therapy, you know? If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. Yeah. So who are we talking about today, Matt? descended from slaves whose chains were both physical and sometimes spiritual we've been cast into a mental slavery a mind prison designed to indoctrinate you as a worker bee devoted to the hive a mere ant who sacrifices self for the colony whether young or old you may be enslaved you may know some who are not aware you may know others who have obeyed or have been corrupted in exchange for the appearance of freedom no one is free from government until we all can govern our own mental space cooperatively in true anarchy joining us on the show the host of the hitchhiker's guide to the truth james cordiner who joins me mystic mark here on the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast thank you for tuning in and enjoy this episode with james cordiner it's mentioned in the declaration of independence i think it's even mentioned a couple of times in the uh, following uh, writings of a lot of the uh, framers of the Constitution. And, you know, so when you see our Constitution have things, you know, that are supposed to protect our rights of, like, religion and freedom of speech, freedom of protest. The Second Amendment, for instance, that's all about self-defense. The Second Amendment is literally, like, people have the right to have weapons because they need to defend themselves. You know, the author of that, one of the authors of that, uh, of that amendment was George Mason, and I believe that it was him that spelled it out, like, the government might turn tyrannical one day, and the people are supposed to be able to have guns or arms, it's not even just firearms, just arms, it could be a rock, it could be a a knife, a stick, or it could be a semi-automatic rifle, you know, or it could be a, a... We're supposed to be able to have access to everything the government has access to. Level the playing field. That means we're supposed to be able to have those bomber jets. We're supposed to be able to have nuclear arms. And I know how that might (laughs) get a reaction out of some people like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But no, the the idea of the Second Amendment and the way it is intended to work is that we, the people, are supposed to be be able to have access to the same armament that the government has access to which means to, to level the playing field, as I put it. 
But as you go through the Constitution, it starts to make a little bit more sense that they're trying to protect people's natural rights. You know, they changed one thing, though. <laughs> they fucked up. Thomas Jefferson changed one thing, and I think he did it on purpose because they were trying to form a government. They were trying to maintain control. Crazy podcast. I'm here with a podcaster who's been a part of Alt Media for some time now. His name is James. He's the host of a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Truth. He's also I don't I'm not sure if this is a podcast or a subsect of your podcast, but I'm sure you'll explain. But free your mind New England, correct? That's right. Well tell us about that. First and foremost, how are you today, James? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, Mark. I'm doing well, you know, ahead of time, listeners out there. If you're familiar with me, then you'll be familiar with the setting that my show usually has, which is I'm a family man. I'm in my house, in my living room, in my house. So in an old house to boot. So you might hear some background noise. It's a little late at night. That's my daughter screaming in the background. We're going to pull through. We're going to, we're going to power through this and make the best of it. But so just <laughs> to start, yeah, my name is James Cordiner. I'm the host of a hitchhiker's guide to truth, free your mind, new England, well, free your mind, That's my website, but free your mind, new England is an organization that I'm hoping to start up. It's always been kind of a goal of mine to create a monthly or bi-monthly meetup group for people all across new England to kind of create a support system for one another where people have alternate points of view on life and maybe want to distance themselves from the system that kind of keeps us down under their thumb in this kind of system of slavery that we've been brought up in. And it's been a goal of mine because we have, we have the means up here in New England to, to do so. We have plenty of, you know, other than the winter time which is tough for farming but it, there's plenty of smart people that live in this region that could band together i think they just need a home i don't know if i can be the guy to give it to them but i think that if he's got to start it and why not me but yeah that's always been a goal of mine i got the idea to call it free your mind because of mark passio and his conferences from back in the day and he called them the free your mind conferences and my friend ivan who we would call in to mark's show all the time he started his website called free your mind az for arizona and i heard them on the air once saying hey everyone there should be a free your mind in every state and i was like i'm gonna go and do free your mind new hampshire and i was like you know what screw it i'll do free your mind new england who cares you know no one's it doesn't exist yet i guess i'll do it why not why keep it to New Hampshire? 
when I could involve everybody and try to get every people from all over the region together. Like, how's it going down in Rhode Island? How's it going in Connecticut, Vermont, Maine, Mass? How's it going over there? How many people are really sick and tired of this shit? I'm sorry. I don't know if you have like a language. No, then don't feel the need to censor yourself. yourself. All, right. all right. I won't then. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep it moderate though. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I just, I just really something throughout my life and my childhood and, and part of who I am. I really like bringing people together is something that I, I really, really, really like. And when people are acting in ways that further divide us, it actually kind of upsets me. And I don't want to be a part of that kind of thing. So bringing people together is the goal. Getting over differences, of course, is a, is a struggle, you know, but hey, work together. The way the world is set up right now, it is set up to divide us because apart we are weak, together we are strong. And I want it to be a nice, strong community up here in New England. Agreed, man. And I put it out to you, man. I think that's, you know really admirable and and i would love to be a part of it as a fellow new englander you know it's it's only right and yeah i think there's a lot of ways that people have been getting together lately i don't know how familiar you are with uh, no agenda but no agenda started they've had their podcast for at least 15 years i mean adam curry pretty much invented podcasting but he started not too long ago this website through his no agenda podcast a place called no agenda meetups where anybody can post a meetup and say hey we're doing this event or we're doing this get together of no agenda fans and it's really hit you know hit a real stride a lot of people have used it over the past year or so but i would recommend getting on some sites like that i noticed you have a, a event coming up soon right you, you're doing something in september is that correct yeah it's a it's a one day online event right strictly where you know the, the speakers are going to be you know online it's going to be completely free we have a great lineup of speakers it's called shattering the illusion and you know maybe i can say it again by the end but anyone interested in finding out about that right now you can go to shattering the illusion.info i'm sure that you will provide links in the show notes to that, which I appreciate. Thank you. And it's it, again, the co I'm a co-organizer of that with my, my boy, Joe Murray. He's from New York and well, he's from New Jersey, but he lives in New York now. And he is a conscious hip hop artist and kind of like a truth hop and a hip hop artist from that area. And he's very talented. I suggest that people go to his website. It's called freedom for all dot online. So it's literally just spell out the words. Now, was that him that I heard at the beginning of your podcast? Was that one of his songs or is that a... That's right. All oh, right on. That's a song called Puppet Masters by Joe Murray. And he is a, he really is like a wordsmith. He, he really is like a lyrical, lyrically, he is very, very, very talented. And he's become a very, very good friend of mine through this organization of this conference that we're putting on event conference, whatever you want to call it. I, I like calling it an event because we're kind of distant from a person to person, like reach out and shake your hand type of relationship between us speakers and the audience. But nonetheless, in the spirit of conferences past, we are hosting this online event inspired by people like Brandon Martin and his seed conference last year and people like Will Keller and the people from the Freedom Under Natural Law conference that happened earlier this year. They're actually doing another one a week before us. And, you know, 
So we've been very inspired by these online events that have happened in the past. And uh, it's a way to, it's a way to not let the, not let the, the restrictions that we were under for the last couple of years, hold us back from really getting the word out about natural law, what anarchy really means and how it would work in a society. What would we need to really do or learn or change in our society today? in order to get to a point where we could exist peacefully without a ruling class, because that's what it's all about. Anarchy is really just all about the abolition of a ruling class. Well, how do we do that and succeed? How do we maintain, first obtain, and then maintain a society that is built on anarchy or exists in anarchy? Well, there are principles that are needing to be learned and everything like that, but the goal is to abolish the ruling class and to stand firmly on our in our power without them because it's a massive failure, the ruling class, and we shouldn't need them anymore. It's an it's an archaic system, and we as as conscious beings should be able to ri- rise above the the dependency issues that they have created for us in order to make it so that they aren't rendered obsolete, so so to speak. So that is, in its core, what our conference is about, is to try to point out, using evidence and artifacts, these certain systematical, cultural, what-have-yous, cultural problems, and provide real-world solutions to avoiding these cultural problems and to really try to, again, stand in our power as individuals who want freedom, because that's what it really is all about. It's all about freedom. And we really just, there's a, there's a road to walk down to get there. And man, a lot of people are unprepared to take that journey. And my, and that might be my opinion, but from what I see, that's kind of the, the feeling I get. A lot of people just unprepared to take that journey of walking down the path to truth mm. and figuring out how to really be the, the have have self have dominion over themselves, you know, be self rulers mm. instead of abdicating that responsibility onto a ruling class. Right. So well, and that's why I love having you here, man. We're already off to a great start ten minutes in and you know, I think that this show can be a bridge to people waking up to that and why it's a double pleasure to have you on this show because you clearly have done a lot of research into this and I want to learn more as much as I can. But I will say as a New Englander, I think we have a, a pretty hard spirit up here. You know, we're, we're tough. We, we deal with interesting climate. Uh, you know, we oscillate from extreme heat. I don't know how hot it's been up there for you in the past few weeks, but it's been a scorcher down here too. And and then we go to the other extreme of bitter cold and even more so up where you're at. So yeah, it tends to toughen you up and make you to into a certain type of person. And if anyone's going to do it, I think it could be New Englanders. So Let's learn about this. Tell me a little bit about, well, first I should say this. I'm not sure how familiar you're, you are with the Amish, but I was just down in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and I found this out. I was startled to find out that the Amish are born without social security numbers. And this has gone on obviously for hundreds of years, but there was a, a gentleman who was taken to court and the court it went all the way up to Supreme Court. 
And they ruled in favor of this Amish gentleman and said, well, they don't use enough civil and social services from the government to require them to participate. So, you know, they're exempt from a lot of the stuff that we born into the system would like to be exempt of and, you know, become sovereign citizens. How do you think we can do that? Well, I want to stress this point first and foremost. We already are sovereign. Okay. We're, we are already sovereign citizens. Well, we, so actually it's kind of an oxymoron because a citizen is technically property of a government. Okay. So a sovereign individual, a sovereign being, these are the types of words that we need to start adjusting and using instead of the common phrases such as sovereign citizen, because you can't be a citizen and sovereign at the same time, because the word citizen implies that you are under the rulership of a government. And that's not what a, that's not what sovereignty means. So I would say that, you know, sovereign beings, could you state the question again? Because I, I no, I appreciate you clarifying that. So yeah, how, how do we become sovereign beings? Because you mentioned, you know, the right way to be anarchist. And I would love to explore that idea further. So it's basically, it comes down to principles. The first things that one would learn and the first things that one would use to live their life and the things that they really uphold, that, they, you know, these sets of principles and values that they apply to their lives, basically, you know, self-ownership, self. So anarchy, first and foremost, does not mean no rules. Okay. A lot of people think that anarchy means chaos and uh, that it would be, you know, Molotov cocktails and bricks being thrown and all this other crazy nonsense that the, that the media and the government would like you to believe. Anarchy simply means no rulers, no rulers. So no ruling class, no masters. And if you have no masters, by default, you don't have any slaves. So that's really what it comes down to. Anarchy in its Greek etymological definition means no rulers because an, A-N, the prefix means no, and archon means rulers. So from there, you get anarchy. So it's really, and people go, oh, no, 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 that's not what it means. Well, think about it. What does monarchy mean? It means rule by one. What does oligarchy mean? Rule by a few. Archie is in both of those words. Anarchy just simply means rule by none, rule by no one. So how do we become sovereign beings? We need to really start living by principles and not tolerating, simply just learning the differences between right and wrong. So what are these principles that I'm talking about? The non-aggression principle for one, that would be one of the most important. And then you have the principle of self-defense, which they run hand in hand. They call it, it's typically known in a more philosophical or traditional ways known as the sacred masculine and the sacred feminine. Sacred feminine being the non-aggression principle and the sacred masculine being the principle of self-defense masculinity part of it is is the part that's going to get you to stand up and say no that would be the self-defense and the feminine part of it would be the one that makes you not want to hurt anybody so it's all about care masculinity would be care for yourself and when violence is being done upon you you care enough about yourself to stand up and not take that shit and that the feminine aspect would be care for other people and when other and that you don't want to do violence to other people Okay, so you have to have both of those working together in order for it to work as a whole. Because if 
you're a pacifist and all you do is the non-aggression thing all day, then when violence comes your way, you're not going to be prepared to stand up and put an end to it. That's why the principle of self-defense is so important. They work hand in hand. They're intertwined in, in one way to say it. But how does it all really work? Well, how do you really know when something is violent, right? That might be the next question. Well, you'd have to know the difference between right and wrong action, right? Because anything, you know, that's anything that's violent is a default of wrong, right? So you'd have to know the difference between right and wrong action. Well, how does one come to that conclusion? That's from understanding objective morality. See, this whole postmodern idea of morality is in the eye of the beholder or morality is subjective. What's right for you is different than what's right for the next guy. And it's been obfuscated because that's, that's, that's not true at all. What, what it does apply to, though, and what's right for you and what's right for the next guy are two different things. These are things that are based on skills and experience with like what you are physically capable of doing. Okay. So the word right has been kind of obfuscated. It's been kind of, you know, shaken up a little bit. People don't really understand what the word right really means anymore. Anyways, so what is a right action? A right action is any action that does not result in the harm of another living thing, another sentient being. So I, I personally like to talk to people about the person to person interaction but it does not stop with people. It actually, it actually extends to the animal kingdom as well. But that is, in my opinion, a little bit further down the road than what we should really be concentrating on right now as a species. I am not a vegan, but I think that with human ingenuity and the imagination, we could actually construct a diet where it would be 100% un, un, you know, undisputable way to live on a vegan diet. I think right now it's crucial for this point in human history that we stop doing violence to one another and then we can come back and try to, try to solve the animal kingdom problem as well with, you know, eating meat, omnivore diet, carnist diet, whatever you want to call it. So all of these things that I'm speaking about, this is how we get out of the, the clutches of a control system because it's all, it's all about violence. It's all about getting you to comply and be complicit in violent action. And then they can hold that against you by doing violent action to you and making you just be in this system, this, this revolving door of violent action, you know? So it's like objective morality and the know is like the knowing that the differences between right and wrong action and choosing with your free will to not participate in wrong action. All right. This is the peaceful solution to the, to the violence that's going on on a daily basis in this country and in this world. And it's the pe most peaceful solution that anyone can ever do. Unfortunately, with peace comes a very, very slow moving effort. <laughs> it's never, that's why they use violence is because they get things done very quickly with violence. And it's unfortunate, but it's true. I think that with this amount of technology that we have and the amount of reach that we could possibly even gain and in the communities that, that in the social circles, the communities and whatnot that we, that, that we are a part of, I really think, and I know that I sound like, you know, a lot of other people, and it's a, it's a point of criticism that I have for the truth community 
And it's something that's very unpopular when I say it, but uh, this is the most important thing. Everyone wants to think that if we unveil what's going on in Area 51, that that's going to, that everyone thinks their domino is first and they knock over that domino and everything else is going to, it's just going to be a snowball effect or a domino effect, you know, chain reaction. And the truth of one thing is going to, no, this is the first domino. Stop doing violent action. Know the differences between right and wrong action and choose with your free will to not do wrong action to your fellow person. And from there, we will be able to make the violent control system and structure of governments all over the world. They will be rendered obsolete because it's because of our violent actions that empower them and give them the ability to exist and give other people the ability to abdicate responsibility for their own personal lives onto another, another being or another institution or another group of people. And with, and it's all because of violent action. Every single person uh, has the ability to use their free will and to learn the difference between right and wrong and to choose no matter the cost to do the right thing. And that, and that means stop with the fucking violence. Stop it. Whatever you need to do to stop violence. <laughs> and that means even going to the defense of other people that can't stop the violence for themselves. All right. Because it's a visceral reaction when people stop complying. When you stop complying, they go, wait, well, you can't. We saw it the last couple of years. They were arresting people for sitting on a beach out in California. Alone. On a beach in California arrested jail kids getting arrested in new york city for not having a vaccine children jail well maybe not jail but definitely in custody of the state it's it's abhorrent behavior and it's gone too far <laughs> luckily i live in new hampshire and that shit doesn't happen up here we're the most well-armed state in the entire nation right it doesn't happen up here well and that that leads me to what i was thinking about asking you it's like what are your thoughts on on weapons? Because I agree with you, self-defense is extremely important and we need to coach that with the non-harm principle because otherwise you're just violent, right? There's only a certain extent to which you even need to defend yourself with violence. And, and you're absolutely right. It's a, a domino effect that would make the whole world peaceful if there weren't predatory people out there taking advantage and victim-like people leaving themselves vulnerable to this predation. So what are your thoughts? I mean, because I'm sure you hear that all the time when, when you get into this, like, well, what about guns? Everyone should have them. Not mandated, of course. I'm not, and I'm not about to coerce anybody into doing anything. So actually, against, it goes against the non-aggression principle. So they should be made available for everybody and anybody that wants to have them voluntarily. So we, we, the whole idea is that this would lead to a, a, syst, a, a voluntary system of, you know, voluntarism and that we would be able to voluntarily interact between each other, between, you know, with other people. But everybody should have weapons. Everybody should at least know how they work. If there's going to be any sort of formal education, that should be a part of it, in my opinion. If they don't want them, they don't have to have them, but they should at least know how they work. They have some knowledge on them because if that, if that knowledge is absent, then what's filling it is ignorance. And that ignorance leads to fear. 
and hoplophobia is a real thing. And uh, most of people that are hoplophobic, they have never fired a gun. They've never handled one. They just see what, how they get, they, they see how they get put out there on the news and now everything. That term haplophobic, what's the exact definition of that? So phobia, as we all know, like arachnophobia is fear of spiders. Hoplophobia is fear of firearms. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm mean, just curious how broad or how acute that definition was, but it's pretty broad to be afraid of firearms. Like you can't see a picture of them. Like you can't, you can't watch a movie. You're afraid, you know, I mean, it makes sense though. I mean, some people are insulated to such a degree that they just don't understand the mechanisms that are keeping them safe on a constant basis because they've abdicated their responsibility for their own life, as you put it earlier. Yeah. Yeah. It's that kind of responsibility that people need to really just take back and because you can never legitimately give it away. No one's ever really responsible for you other than yourself unless you're a child. And then that responsibility goes on to the parents and you know, we're stewards of our children. We're supposed to raise them, not just let them grow up in front of us. There's a difference. You know, raising somebody's like raising their consciousness, making sure they know how to see the correspondences in the world. And when they grow up, they're going to be a, a decent person, a good person. You know, a good person is one that vibrates at a high level of consciousness. They'll be able to see how things work in the world. They'll know their surroundings bad person well just chalk it up to the opposite of what i just said bad people live in fear bad people are order followers bad people like to perform violent actions against one another and and innocent people to boot right and it's it's disgusting well and our culture incentivizes that if you look at what you know I, and i'm sure you probably you know stay away from the mainstream media as do i but that's all it is over and over fear broadcasted at people. And I, I think our shows respectively offer people a reprieve from that in their own unique way and, and allow people to connect. I mean, there's not many new England accents, even on TV, let alone podcasts. So it's cool. I always love talking to other new Englanders and I think people from here appreciate it, but, but yeah, I, I, it has to be part of this conditioning. Have you, you think that, the powers that be are setting us towards something or do you think it's more hopeful than that? Cause I think a lot of people get hopeless when they start to understand the reality that we're facing, but we need to organize, right? So how do you re remediate that? I like to remind people that of course it's a natural reaction to get in red pilled. The black pill is soon to soon to follow. And it's just whether or not you let yourself stay down but that's what I'm here to do is I'm here to help people feel like they can do something about this stuff. That it's not that, that, that they're not powerless about it against it. You know, you're right. It is set up against us. The Prussian education model that has been existent in this country for nearly 200 years is, is exactly there to do that. It's there to create workers and soldiers, slaves. It's there to create slaves. Then on top of all that, people start breaking free from it. And what do they do? They medicate the fuck out of these kids. And it's a problem. And not enough people have the balls to stand up and say no and pull their kids out of the, out of the public schools. Because it, it is a cycle of abuse. And it creates victims. And those victims go and abuse other people. And it's just this, it's just torture. It's, tor it's cultural torture. People do this shit to each other 
all the time. And they don't even have to like the, the, the government, the, the people, the one, the man behind the curtain, whatever, they don't even have to do anything really. They, they're just maintaining, you know, like when somebody's built a machine. Okay. And now the machine's running, right? That person eventually dies or whatever, but the machine keeps running. Now you just hire people there to oil and grease it to make sure it stays running, you know, and then the machine just does what the machine does all on its own. Just every now and then it needs a little TLC to keep it going. Well, and you have enough people working on the machine that our families think we're crazy when we question the machine because they're all so connected to it. I mean, I'm sure you experienced this where you're at. Connecticut's no different. We have, you know, really nice wealthy areas and then really, really shitty rural or really shitty urban areas, you know, and it's like that exactly what you're talking about there where people are getting taken advantage of and they're born into this, you know, organ grinder of a system that's just like grinding them up, you know? Yeah, that's true. You know, I, I do have members of my family that, that don't exactly see eye to eye with me, but then again, I don't really care because I tried. And there's a lot of truth in what I, what I have to say to people about, about these things. And unfortunately for me, there's a lot of people out there that say a lot of the same things and they bash on the government and everything like that. They say crazy. Absolutely. And, you know, I really don't care about the criticism. Like, I don't care about how this makes me look or anything. I don't, people say some pretty crazy shit. And they go, oh, you know, I, I don't want to repeat the, the Alex Jones stuff because it's in the news right now, but he has said some pretty, he's been right about a few things, right? Sure. But like when, when it comes down to it, like everybody, I mean it, <laughs> natural law should be the only real thing that people concentrate the majority of their time on and using things like 9-11 and you know the moon landing of whatever these should be examples to kind of gain get people's attention and then just you know when the black pill kind of starts setting in well natural law is the solution natural law is the remedy you know it's going to be the thing that leads us out you know, objective morality so the natural law, I don't know if you've heard much about it. Of course, I think you have based on what we talked about a few minutes ago, but it's like the laws of behavioral consequence. It's like the it's binding immutable laws that dictate the consequences of human behavior and the way that we interact with each other and, and other sentient beings. And these things have existed for all time. The, these natural laws, they will exist way after we're gone. <laughs> They've existed before we got here. Is you know our actually our founding fathers in this country based a lot of what they did on natural law. It's mentioned in the Declaration of Independence. It's, I think it's even mentioned a couple of times in the following writings of a lot of the framers of the Constitution. And you know, so when you see our Constitution have things you know that are supposed to protect our rights of like religion and freedom of speech, freedom to protest. The Second Amendment, for instance, that's all about self-defense. The Second Amendment is literally like people have the right to have weapons because they need to defend themselves. You know, the author of that, one of the authors of that, of that amendment is George Mason. And I believe that it was him that spelled it out. Like, you know, the government might turn tyrannical one day and the people 
are supposed to be able to have guns or arms. It's not even just firearms, just arms. It could be a rock. It could be a, a knife, a stick, or it could be a semi-automatic rifle, you know, or it could be a, a <laughs> it could, we're supposed to be able to have access to everything the government has access to. Level the playing field. That means we're supposed to be able to have those bomber jets. We're supposed to be able to have nuclear arms. And I know how that might get a reaction out of some people like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But no, the, the idea of the Second Amendment, the way it is intended to work, is that we, the people, are supposed to be, have, be able to have access to the same armament that the government has access to, which means to, to level the playing field, as I put it. But as you go through the Constitution, it starts to make a little bit more sense that they're trying to protect people's natural rights. You know, they changed one thing, though. <laughs> they fucked up. Thomas Jefferson changed one thing, and I think he did it on purpose because they were trying to form a government. They were trying to maintain control. But the three inalienable rights that were laid down by a, a natural law philosopher that, John, that Thomas Jefferson took a lot from, his name was John Locke. And his three inalienable rights was life, liberty, and property, not the pursuit of happiness. It was property. I think they changed that up in our, our system because they wanted to be able to have their own taxes, <laughs> have their own claim of ownership over other people's things and people, you know, because they wanted to have their own government. Right. It seems that they refined the system in a way where the chains became invisible. In the past, they had to actually physically whip and enslave you. And now they've sort of just done that to our minds. They've whipped our minds into shape and, and put the, the box around it. Yes, it's definitely programming. The, slaver, the, the chains went from steel to, you know, gold, really. There, there used to be, you know, shackles around your wrists and ankles. If you were a slave at some point in time, but now it's just monetary. It, it's definitely just monetary slavery, slavery through taxation for one, because it's not voluntary. You know, it's done. We're in a state of we're held under a in a state of duress through coercion. Do this or else. And that's basically how the tax system works. And look, I know. You know, a lot of people want to have, you know, a nice society. People would equate it to, well, that's the price you pay to live in a civilized world. Show me where the civilization, the civilized world is right now. Show me. Are we living in a civilized world? I don't think so. I don't see it. You know, oh, go live in Somalia. Uh, no, 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 no. I shouldn't have to turn tail and run from where I was born in order to go and find some modicum of freedom. No, I want it here. I want it for my family. I want it for the person that lives across the street from me because they're decent people. <laughs> I like them. Show me where this taxation has led to a civilized world. And I'll shut up because we don't live in one. We live in chaos right now. They, they just gave, what, $80 billion to the IRS so they could have guns and ammo in case you don't pay your taxes, they can come to your house. Luke Radowski was just reporting today that they, that they have photos of, uh, of IRS agents practicing raids on urban homes. Tell me where we live in a civilized society. 
You want to build roads? Let's hold fundraisers. And the person that builds the best roads gets the fucking money. Why not? It's voluntary, you know? Let's live in an agoristic society where people actually trade their abilities and, and actually help themselves out and form a strong community. Let's live like that. Why not? Why do we need money? Well, it's a form of exchange that kind of level evens the playing field for a lot of people that might lack abilities to do things. Cool. Let's actually have it based on something intrinsic. That's why it was gold for a long time, because gold was actually something that was intrinsically valuable. Now it's just Federal Reserve notes that are based on nothing. Actually, they're based on usury. And it's, it's slavery. That's all it is. It's slavery. I'm sick of it. I, I, quite frankly, I'm, I'm sick and tired of it. You know, right. And we can't avoid these things alone. We have to band together. And I've met people who have done that. I worked on a farm that was owned and run by people who were sovereign beings and they lived their life that way. And, you know, it was very inspiring. It was right before I started this podcast, actually. And yeah, I just, I wonder, cause you know, doing what I do now, I make so little money that I'm like, do I even need to file taxes for this shit? You know? And, and I, I have to, you know, I got to do like W9 or whatever. And I don't know. I mean, I, I'm in the position where I could go and turn tail and maybe f live somewhere where I don't have to pay taxes, but I, I don't want to do that. I like where I live to some, to, to some extent, I'd like to live somewhere else as well, maybe close to where I was born. But yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough situation to be in. What do you think the solution is specifically when it comes to taxes? Well, I can't claim to have solutions for everything. Unfortunately, the amount of fear that, that comes with not paying taxes is very, very real for a lot of people. And I simply just don't know. I would like to tell, I, I would like to tell people to, I don't know. I, I don't want to, I don't want to encourage anybody to get themselves in trouble. That's, that's for one thing, because anybody that would actually go through with like, you know, say not paying taxes, that's a person that we need on this side of the wall, not in the jail cell, you know? So it's like, I don't know the answer to that, but I do know that over time, the solution would work itself out. If we, if, if we really just stopped with the, if we, if we practice objective morality and we stop doing the violent part, I really do believe that that would render the government and these systems obsolete. I really do. I think that, you know, maybe ending the federal reserve would have a lot to do with it. If we could somehow do that. I, I really just, you know, when it comes to the whole ending taxes thing, Man, I wish I had an answer to that, but I don't want to, I don't want to inspire anybody to get themselves in trouble, to mm. be honest, to be quite honest. I, I, I don't know. I want to tell people to stop paying them. You know, I want, I want to have like mass on like mass uncompliance, like just mass civil disobedience. Well, it seems like that's what happened with the, you know, pandemic for lack of a better word. And that's why they responded this way. Yeah. I mean, not quite. I don't think. Uh, that that with the with the whole with the whole covid thing i don't see it so much like that i i think that i think that honestly that a lot of people were starting to wake up to some things and they had to pull the trigger on on some sort of long game 
you know, you start paying attention to the world economic forum and how these people interact and like their, their agendas, because they do have agendas. It's not some weird conspiracy theory to, to talk about, you know, the world economic forum and what Klaus Schwab and uh, what's his name? Harari, Noah Harari, right? What these people have in mind to do. And they have thousands of the world's largest corporations on board. You know, you go to their World Economic Forum, you know, website, and you can find all of these corporations that are like signed on with them. And it's insane. And the things that they have planned. And it's just like, yeah, I think that the whole pandemic thing was like supposed to be just to ramp up people's fear. Because fear, like Frank Herbert said, the author of Dune, said fear is the mind killer. It's going to shut down your consciousness so you do not understand the world around you. It's going to take away your ability to form correspondences to your daily ongoings. And, you know, and when you have such fear being pumped out in such great, like huge ways all at once, you know, because if you remember fall of 2019, no one thought that. <laughs> No one thought that that, that stuff was going to come here. Oh, they're going to close the borders and everything, blah, 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 blah. But then you hear a couple of years later that it was already here. You know, you start hearing about world events that were going on in late 2019. You're like, it was already here. You know, there's nothing we could do about it. I don't know. It's just, to me, there is a controlled demolition so as much as I dislike the system that we have, I do maintain the fact that America has been one of the more freer countries on the face of the planet because any society that is still allowed to own firearms is not completely enslaved. But those societies that have gotten their firearms taken away from them and in total is where perfection has been made. And slavery has been perfected in those, so those societies, places like New Zealand and Australia and for the most part, Canada, you know, Places like that, you're not allowed, to, really allowed to own a firearm. Like, see, up in here, up here in New Hampshire, I just go and get a firearm. No one asks any questions. No one gives a shit until you go and hurt somebody with them, you know, or you do something wrong with them. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, I, I, I do maintain that, that America, like it or not, <laughs> will be the last bastion of hope. For the entire globe and i i do think that it'll come down to that but what we're seeing is the controlled demolition of what what we hold dear in the, in this country the last bit of freedom that we have and i think that's a part of the globalist agenda to kind of make a a new liberal economic order for the for the world because people hear about the new world order. Well, that new world order, you've heard it from people's mouths even recently. Joe Biden said it. He said the new liberal economic order where, you know, they're doing all these crazy things to try to like socialize the socialism and communism all over the place. And it's going to destroy our freedoms, you know, but what little we have left really but I'm, I'm kind of trailing off here. <laughs> I'm sorry. Don't yeah, be. I mean, don't be. No, you're doing great, man. And you're explaining some things that I've been thinking about and doing it really well, very clearly. So no need to feel that way. I was thinking while you said that, you know, 
Here we are in New England. It's only recently that cannabis has been legalized and there's still people locked up for it. You know, I mean, you just had this great podcast that I, people rec- I recommend people listen to. It's a live in the field podcast with 420 Jim. It was really interesting. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, we obviously that's a part of this slave system, this corporate prison system that doesn't want to let those people go, even though now, you know, you and I possibly just me, I don't know your habits, but we could smoke freely whenever we want. I don't know how free it is in New Hampshire, but I know it is here. It's not. No. Oh, okay. So see, New England isn't homogenized so much <laughs> like with the, I mean, the gun laws are pretty, Strict in mass, I, I think, but Connecticut, it's a little freer. We're not as great as you guys up there in New Hampshire, but I know there's a lot more restrictions in Massachusetts as opposed to Connecticut. Yeah, as far as gun laws go. Yeah. Unfortunately, cannabis is still Schedule 1 in the federal the, the, the federal government. So, right. I mean, it, on a federal level, it's still not legal. I think it's been decriminalized, but it's still Schedule 1, which means that they're still going to over whatever they're whatever whatever it is they're gonna they're gonna come at you for it you know things like what i have to go through with drug testing and whatnot for my job unfortunately i have a cdl well it's not unfortunate that i have a cdl license i i do a very good job at what i do and i appreciate i appreciate the the service that i get to do for for the community and take away people's garbage is something that really helps people not get sick so it's like something that it's actually an essential thing. It's something that makes sense to have, you know, you know, you want people to come and take your garbage away. Well, I'm prepared to go and do that. But unfortunately the federal government is not prepared to let me have say over what goes in my body. And if, <laughs> and I get drug tested every now and then. So if I got caught with pot or, you know, if I got caught with THC in my system, they, they go, you know, they might have a few, few nasty things to say to me about that. As far as New Hampshire is concerned, because of the trickle down effect from the federal government to the state governments, the, the, the way that gun laws and drug enforcement works, you well, you can't really be doing the drugs and owning the guns. And people up here really like having their guns more than they like being able to smoke a J. And you know what? I'm almost ready to just accept that part because I... You know, I, I, I really like having the ability to defend my family and myself if need be. Of course, I want all my freedoms. You know, I don't want anybody poking their nose in my business because I'm not out to hurt anybody. I know that of myself, but this is why I try to stress to help people learn the other principles for themselves and to choose for themselves to do the right thing. So a lot of interesting history behind the, the, uh, the, the criminalization of cannabis in this country. And if we understand that history and why it is not legal, then we can start understanding what we can do to make it legal. Good thing. A lot of states, especially up in this region, have you know, decriminalized it and or made it completely legal for recreational use. I don't see many people growing hemp, though. I don't see many people actually making hemp paper and doing the hemp oil. I, I don't hear about that very often. Maybe I'm not looking in the right places and it does exist, but that's a crucial part of why this stuff was made illegal in the first place. That one acre of hemp plant 
can provide the same amount of, a of paper as four acres of trees, but we can't use hemp. I mean, we can't, I'm sorry, but we don't do that. We still use trees. That's what I was trying to say. You know, back in the colonial days, you, you were laughed at if you didn't grow hemp. You can power a car with hemp oil. So you could take away the, the fossil fuels of the petroleum-based oil, and you can replace it, of course, with some, some significant modifications to the vehicle. You can replace it with hemp oil. You know, you have to synthesize the, the hemp oil in certain ways, and I believe you still have to modify the vehicles in certain ways, but it can be done, you know. So just these res this resource alone would help end slavery. Because a lot, because a lot of like, think about it. The American dollar has been the petrol dollar since the 1970s when Nixon took us off the gold standard. We've been on petrol. We've been the the world reserve currency based on petrol. So our money is backed by oil, and everybody uses our money to buy oil. You can only buy oil with the American Federal Reserve notes. It's the only way any country has been able to buy oil. That's why America has been such a superpower for the last uh, 60 years. 50, 60 years. It's not because we're a war machine. It's because, some, it's because of the after effect of us being a war machine that led us to the power that we have. It's all about money, baby. It's all about money. But there's a solution to that. And you brought it up. It's hemp. It's cannabis. You know, when it comes to it, like Rockefeller, uh, the, the Rockefeller medicine and everything with all of the prescription drugs, there's a lot of neurological disorders. There's a lot of behavioral disorders. There's a lot of problems that people suffer from by the conveniences that were afforded through this society that we've created. And yes, we've created it. And the, and the, and the effect of that is, is that we are bored all the time and <laughs> we're not, you know, getting enough exercise or doing enough in our lives. And, that creates things like behavioral disorders. And what do we do? We medicate those problems away. Well, you know that we've all heard the stories about epileptic kids and stuff like that. There's a lot of people that are born with things, you know, that are unavoidable. We don't need to get into that too much. But, the, but what I did want to bring that up about with cannabis is that we've already seen the benefits of cannabis for people that have epilepsy, people that have eating disorders, people that have depression, people have the, the behavioral disorders that they call disorders, but it's really just boredom. You know, it, it, a lot of it can be solved by just a little bit of cannabis, you know, hyperaggression, kids with ADHD. Why not? You give them medicine that's going to stunt their growth. It's going to possibly give them heart palpitations. You're going to give them medicine that's going to make that aggression even worse. And that's going to create a drug addict in the future because the things that say Ritalin, what Ritalin does to a, a young person's brain is very, very, very similar to what cocaine does to a person's brain. So when that person grows up and they're, you know, jonesing for a fix, they might be able to get that fixed with some cocaine and well, you've just created a really big problem for yourself. And, you know, they, they love to snag drug, drug addicts off the streets. My point is, is that like with cannabis, it does solve a lot of problems.
but that's why it's so heavily. That's why they will never take it off of schedule one. Not until they can like pull if they can pull if they pull you over and they're like, Are you high? And they can make you go blow into this thing or take this test right here. Some way to tax it, some way to some way to regulate it, some way to make sure that they can catch you using it. Because it's one of those elusive things where somebody could be baked out of their gourd and you can't tell. You know. That's like me. I try to call it being a professional about it you know try not to let anybody know or lead on because i was raised in that you know world of at any moment your freedom could be taken away from you because of your relationship with this plant but you could go and grow pumpkin or squash or tomato or any other plant or flower in your garden so to speak and nobody's going to stop you but here we are in this world where that you know certain plants are to be weapons against us because they know to some extent that you know we're interested in using them but also i mean the more insidious ones are not natural to this area anyways i mean the biggest problem that we have in this country now is with opium and that's all foreign that's all from asia you know and it's it's these rich elite families that were shipping goods across the world and back to america that are participating in that. And those people created the, you know, these companies that are whipping up, you know, magic stabbies, you know, for your arm to save you from the cooties, you know? So yeah, it's, it's all connected, man. And and yeah, I, I, I wish that people understood how many alternatives there were to the commodities that we've been sold as mainstays like oil and plastics you know these these things can all be replaced with hemp hydrogen as well i recently had a really great conversation with an inventor named george wiseman who created a a way to double your fuel efficiency in your vehicle and surely enough you know 10 or so years into this company's success they were discredited in national television in canada and lost a whole bunch of money and you know now he's repurposed his product in a different way for health and that's a whole different conversation but there's so many alternatives when it comes to land ownership i i understand you guys in new hampshire have different laws about land ownership is it easier for people to buy property in new hampshire am i just off on that I, I can't really say I own, I own my, my house and we're on just about an acre of land, if I'm not mistaken. And it was, I don't know, I, before we had this place, I've never owned property before. So that's something I really don't feel comfortable saying anything about. But I will say this though, I, I feel very comfortable here. I feel like I'm being left of, left alone. And, uh, you know, so long as you play along with what they uh, ask you to do, right? But I don't know how it goes in other places, to be honest. Well, yeah, there's some people that podcast that have moved to places like Tennessee where there's no state income tax and whatnot. So there are ways to get around certain things without totally abandoning your country, you know, and... uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, there are people that go and do these like anarchist communities, for lack of a better word, in Mexico. 
there's this recent F- HBO smear job that they did, you know, trying to make this anarcho thing look crazy, even though it was, from my understanding, a pretty decent and, and rational get-together of people who care about sovereignty. What are your thoughts on that? Did you check that, HBO? Did you hear about that? I I understand that the last episode of their six-part miniseries is coming out tonight. Oh, wow. Look at that. <laughs> Synchronicity. <laughs> And I also, I know people that I I know people that are very close with some of the people that are even in that documentary. So was I, was I off by saying it was smear? Cause this is just stuff I've heard. I, I haven't seen it myself. So what it seems to me from the outside looking in is that it's just another attempt at the mainstream media to make anarchy look less appealing. I will say that the beginning of the show where Anarcho Poco was starting out and, you know, the documentary was starting out and everything. And that man, Jeff Berwick got up on stage and, you know, Larkin Rose is in there. Larkin Rose is a very, very, very intelligent anarchist. He wrote a book called the most dangerous superstition, which I recommend everybody reading. It's all about the belief in authority because authority only exists if you believe in it. Okay. And enough people have to believe in it in order for it to have any standing. Right. But as far as this documentary goes, I, I'm almost hesitant to say it, to be honest, but like, it seems that it's a bunch of people that got rich and they just don't want the government to take their money. And I don't want the government to take their money either, but they ran off to Mexico to talk about this stuff when the problem is here in America and you're doing it in a place in Mexico, but like you could have done it here in America. I live in New Hampshire. There's a thing called the free state project here. And every year they throw a festival and it's called the porcupine freedom fest. And it's very, it's very famous and it's very well known. Yeah. I was there last year with, I went and saw Richard Grove, Ernie Hancock, uh, another podcast friend, Owen Benjamin, all of which are part of Alt Media United. Were you there, James? No. Oh, I wish, I wish you would have been there. Maybe, maybe you were there this year. No. Well, so, but you know about it. Yeah, I know about it. And with the young children and everything like that. I get uh, you. You know, it's, it's something that we're, that we hesitate to do. Right. Because we want to make sure that we are able to do it right. That's us. See, that's the wonderful thing about living in a voluntary society. Like, I don't have to go to a place like that to prove to anybody or to I hear do you. anything. There's no, there, there, there's no, you know, ritual or there's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, it's I have to do like to prove to anybody about like my knowledge or. Oh, you're not going to that? How legit are you? Those types no, of yeah. in a voluntary society don't exist. Right. So like it's all, but like as far as the, the anarchists, HBO special. Yeah. Like I said, I don't want the government to take anybody's money, but I, I kind of have a little bit of, I, I kind of have a little bit of an issue with the whole thing being down in Mexico, I guess, you know, it turned into something that it wasn't originally supposed to be. And I think Jeff Berwick sold out. To be quite honest, the way the documentary is looking, it looks like, you know, it kind of paints that man in a certain light. I don't know him. I can't say for sure, but it makes him look like a jerk. The way that he kicked out the one guy who was like, you know, was it Nathan Freeman? He kicked him out. He's like, then he gets this person in there to organize the whole thing. 
and there's like pictures of this person with like Joe Biden. <laughs> and it's like, what are you doing, dude? You know? And it really does seem like a bunch of rich people that are just like flying in on private jets and in their yachts and everything like that, that just want to party. And then that poor kid got murdered for whatever reason. And it just, that, that whole thing just makes it look like that look, makes it look like anarchists are just a bunch of money grubbing, you know, drug addicts. And that's not what it is. That's not what true anarchy is. Now that's a part of living in a free world to be able to make those choices. So long as you're not hurting anybody else, do what you want with your own body. It's your property, but that's not the whole entire thing. You know, those kids, like there's a, there's a certain amount of praxis that, that needs to be, you know, taken to, to put these things into action, you know, where you're not harming anybody. It means you're self, you're sustainable on your own, you're self sustainable, you know, I appreciate what they were doing. They're trying to spread the word about this down in Mexico for some reason, but you know, and now this documentary comes out and, and like I said already in the beginning, it seemed like the guy knew, you know, he knows what he's talking about. This Jeff Berwick character. He, he knows what he's talking about. He knows the principles. He says all the right words. He knows what the word anarchy means. He said it himself up on that stage. But right now, like it just seems, it, it just seems like a dog and pony show mm. of just BS being thrown around. It just looks like a crime drama. It makes it makes it makes anyone that look that now it's making people that say, oh, yeah, I practice anarchy. I I really want to help the world be free with anarchy Mm. and to learn natural law and to be able to practice these things. Just that's the picture that gets painted. Well, it makes them look bad and it also discourages people who might be on the fence or, or close yes. to maybe making a sovereign choice in their life and, and waking up to this greater reality that we can all be a part of if we co-create it together non-violently and, you know, with others in mind. Because that, that's what it comes down to, man. And I don't know how spiritual you get. You, you seem to me to have the philosophy and the ethics down pat and I really commend you for that. But I think, you know, there's some somewhat of a spiritual war going on. I'm not the only one who talks about this. Sam Tripoli talks about this all the time. And, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, it seems like they're trying to keep us in a state of ignorance. And these laws are all a part of it. I mean, so many people aren't even aware of natural law. Uh, They're not aware that we are governed under an admiralty law system. And it, it all takes place in England. Like, it, it all goes back to England. Every lawyer in this country, sure, there are constitutional lawyers, but every lawyer in this country who's passed the bar is registered in London. That's not the United States. You know, what, what does that tell you, you know? Yeah, tells me that they're working for someone else. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Right. As far as the whole spiritual aspect goes, I, I'm, I'm a pretty spiritual person, not in the religious sense. Like, I don't really go, I don't go to church. Yeah, I don't read the Bible every day, every Sunday, that type of thing. I am a, I am a pretty spiritual person. I do believe in a higher power. I do believe that there is something like a God. There's something of a source of all creation type of energy out there. I don't know what it is, but I think I can feel it from time to time. You know, I, I have two children, so the idea of creation is not something that I'm unfamiliar with. 
and it's a blessing to have them. And I think that, you know, that if we can create, then something might've created us. And, you know, so I'm not really a creationist though. I'm just saying that like, there's an energy out there. There's some source, you know, like that we, we are spiritual beings and, well, in this time, it makes sense to clarify that, though, you know, James, because we got this this force that wants to over and over and over belittle us, right? Oh, you're just a speck, you're a germ on this, like, rare anomaly rock floating around, you know, and it's like, no, 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 we were created by a, a divine consciousness, and, and everybody is entitled to interpret that however they they wish, but I think that's, you know... A very great point to make james because you're not alone man you know and that's that's part of this you know system of law and why it's successful at what it does you know uh, keeping us where we're at well to understand natural law the whole thing the whole thing relies natural law relies on the fact that there is a bigger power out there it, it all relies it all hangs on that that we are not in charge that the universe is in charge and that there's a force out there in the universe that dictates the consequences of our actions, but we can't do anything about it. So we need to learn how to live with it, flow with that current instead of fighting against it, because that's what's creating all the chaos that we live in today. So the whole entire, the whole entire thing is spiritual. You know, it, 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 it just is right. Right. Yeah, man. And, you know, I think we're moving towards an even larger separation. I know you expressed a point earlier about homeschooling, and I think that's something that every parent should look into. I don't have children yet, but, you know, with the way I see family members, children being raised with technology integrated so deeply, it, it just, you know, maybe we're only reacting this way because it's new and it'll end up over time being a good thing but what do you you see with technology you think more technology will lead to more freedom or less technology will lead to more freedom i know that's kind of a simplifying it to a very large degree but what are your thoughts on that i think that every bit of freedom that the human race has ever achieved has been the direct result of some form of technology making it possible for us to communicate better with one another right like what we're doing right now yeah it goes all the way back to the printing press my brother right you know right before then people couldn't read they they had to listen to the man at the podium hold a book in his hands because it was the only copy around and he was the one reading the book. And that's how religion started. You know, it's at least my understanding of it. But, you know, there he was at the podium reading a book and no one else knew how to read because it was the only copy of the book. They couldn't get their hands on it. Next thing you know, more copies are available. More people learn how to read. They go, wait a minute, this guy's been lying to us. Get him. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, but anyways, all jokes aside, yes, technology, when, when understood and used as a tool and not as a crutch, you know, it can be very, very useful. Like you said, how we are communicating right now, 
And then when this gets published, it's going to reach how, however many people it reaches. Who knows? Because it's going to be there. It's going to be there all for the rest of the time. It's going to be on the internet. You can't get anything off the internet. You can't remove something from the internet completely. We, at least we don't have that power. You and I, you know. Well, with RSS feeds, I mean, I try to stress this point all the time because I'm surprised at how many people don't know, but Adam Curry created the Podcast 2.0 Index, which veritably creates a backup of every podcast out there so that if Apple, who, you know, they initially created the Podcast Index, if they decided, oh, we're done with AJ, Alex Jones, or whoever, you know, there's a backup on Podcast 2.0 Index. So, yeah. RSS feed, in my opinion, is the newest and best way to ensure something is going to be out there, you know, as far as speech, freedom of speech. And it's not limited to the United States. I mean, not everybody is entitled to the same freedom of speech that we have here in the United States. And we have seen podcasters get in trouble for things they've said on their podcast in other countries, even so much that I know some podcasters live in Canada who are thinking about putting their servers and hosting their podcasts from the States and just, you know, sending it to that server and hosting it from there because you have the right to say whatever you want. And, you know, Maybe it's a small window. I've heard other guests say that we don't have a lot of time. But what do you think the the best next step people can take to ensure their sovereignty? Really to start growing food. Uh, start learning how to grow food. If you have a, at least a quarter of an acre, you can grow enough food to, to sustain yourself and three others. And uh, it's perfect for a family of four. If you do not have a quarter of an acre of food, you need to start working with your community there are things that we can do to to you know take our power back some way that's a way some people say it but i don't like saying it that way i don't know why i even said it that way because i'm a firm believer that we never really that you could never really give that power away to begin with you just got fooled into thinking you don't have it so you just learn what you need to do to like you know, take care of yourself and not, and not rely on a system of government to take care of you for you because they, they, they can really take care of you anyways. They're, they're stealing from you to do it. Why don't you just use the stuff that you have to like take care of yourself and make them obsolete. It'll take a while, but it can, it can work that way. And we do it peacefully. You know, one thing I'd like to say about, you know, internet censorship and whatnot. Have you heard of IPFS? Yeah, we've done a few episodes mentioning it and talking about it. I know a guy who has Dead World Radio. Shout out to Dead World Radio. It's a actually you'd probably like it. We we talked about conscious hip hop a little bit. He plays conscious hip hop music that his friend who I spoke to as well on that episode makes. Forgive me, I forgot his name, but Zach and Dead World Radio, yeah, it's on IPFS and people can go and check it out, listen to whatever music they want throughout his archive and whatever's live, but I've been thinking about putting episodes of the podcast on IPFS. So what what have you learned? I've basically learned that it's like just uncensorable. It's it's unbreakable, you know, and that that it it's quite complicated. I don't really have a, the I don't really have like the best understanding of it at the moment, but from what I've learned it is it's the way of the future, you know. And hell, I I I just figured I'd bring it up. Yeah, no, I internet censorship, you know, 
I know that Ernie Hancock has been trying to create these little things called pirate boxes. And I guess the way they work is it's essentially like, you know, the power of, you know, your average computer in the size of a USB drive. And anyone can plug that in and and connect to the internet and way outside of my technical know-how to explain it. But this is the type of innovation that's being done by people who participate in, you know, what you mentioned earlier, Porcupine Fest, which I didn't even know about until someone invited me to join after becoming a podcaster and, and getting into this world, you know, that I had known about slightly, but really had to just step out of my comfort zone and, and get into it. You know, you are the only person that can change your life. And that's a great point to make about growing your own food because so much money goes into feeding ourselves. And especially when they're trying to inundate us with all these ways to really rob us of our nutrition, you know, like mm-hmm. the depleted soil, the antibiotics and lack of micronutrients and all this stuff. I mean, I've been for the past eight years doing my best to lead a healthy lifestyle, but I can only do so much buying from local farms and whole foods, you know, I, really the the choices are, are not that great, but it's better than, than maybe other places. I don't know. Cause people just have that forward mindset where I live, but at the same time I'm spending, you know, 10 times as much money on food overall in a, to a certain extent than I would be if I was buying junk food all the time. Yeah. I, I mean, that, and that's, that's something that, <laughs> that kind of pattern has existed for quite a long time is the healthier stuff is more expensive, you know, and they get people into thinking about the weight of their wallet and that, 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 you know, they buy cheap food and cheap food is going to really, really mess you up. It's going to mess you up big time. And as far as the farming goes, one more point to make, at least, at least one more point to make about that. I want to recommend people get heirloom seeds and when they get them, what that means is that you'll be able to not only grow food, but the food that you grow will come with seeds that you can use again next year. So heirloom seeds, please make sure that you, if you're going to grow your own food in a way to sustain yourself, then you're going to want heirloom because those seeds that come with the fruit that you're growing or the, or the veggies that you're growing can be reused. You'll be able to have you know, infinite. If you do it right, it's going to last forever. If you do it right, you know, and uh, compost, 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 get chickens, you know, a couple of chickens, get some eggs, right. you know? Well, and that's such a, like a mind bending concept of people who've been raised in this commercial society that like, you only need to buy one pack of seeds. And if you do it right, you will have a new, set of seeds each year right and that's something that was just common sense and still is to much of the country but for myself you know growing up in a suburb slash city like yeah i had a a patch of land that i could dig around on but my dad was just growing flowers and stuff he wasn't growing any fruits or vegetables or anything really tomatoes he liked his tomatoes but you know i think that more people if they cared less about their lawn and more about their diet, we could 
change our whole ecosystem because if there's all those fruiting and you know pl veggie plants out there it's adding to the the ecosystem you know there's more bees going on butterflies birds they're all benefiting from that change so yeah i i think we're heading towards a slow depopulation but with this podcasting technology and the internet itself we could reverse that and end up healing you know it's always darkest before the dawn kind of thing i mean what what are your thoughts on people being you know obviously you mentioned red pill leads to black pill what are your thoughts on on that concept of you know when you get past red pill because it's not black pill that's the other end you know black pills that's the that's what they're the psyops are leading people to red pills just the first step where do you think you know people should go next well what i meant earlier about that was that like when you take when when people are you know red pilled wrap that in quotes you know it, it's always linked to waking up you know and that can come with a lot of dread oh my god it's this bad yes that kind of thing and that's where the black pill comes in oh it's all doom and gloom right oh there's nothing we can do holy shit it's that bad the world is going to end type of mentality but it goes beyond that by like empowering people like i like i've said before to not to not give in to that you know but yes the world is not a kind place the world is not is not your friend right now you know i mean the world is but society's not culture is not you know the world is a great place this planet holy crap what a beautiful uh, so much beautiful geography all over the place to look at, you know? It's truly majestic, this place we live. But there's a lot of bad people fucking it up for the rest of us. <laughs> and, but yeah, I mean, as far as the black pill stuff goes, but like beyond the red pill, right? Is that what you wanted to know? Yeah. Because I don't feel like you fall into that dichotomy. I think you know, it's a convenient metaphor that some of us use. I'm starting to get a little sick of it because of the whole thing medical industry we shouldn't be using them for our metaphors right but it it makes sense to people it's a good bridge to this information but yeah what do you think's beyond that i think that what is beyond that is up to each and every individual to be honest because it's like you got to ask like well what are you prepared to do about these problems really like what are you prepared to do i mean there's gonna be some sacrifice maybe you have some time Maybe you don't get to go and do the thing that you wanted to go and do for the rest of your life. Like me, you know, like there's plenty of other things I'd rather be doing than, than talking about this stuff. Trust me. And I don't mean that I need to disrespect Mark, but I, I just, I, it's, it's just not what I had in mind, <laughs> but I feel like I have a moral obligation to to spread the word that there's a better way to do this but it's up to each and every individual with what the, what are you going to do about it you know you have to ask yourself that like okay yeah it's kind of crazy out there well, what am i going to do about it how can i be of of help what can i do that's going to be a, like constructive to leading us out of this craziness or am i going to perpetuate it you know it's not that cut and dry. It's not that black and white. There are many, many, many shades of gray, but that is really downright the question that people have to ask. Well, what am I going to do? 
You know, am I going to cower in fear? Am I going to have some courage and stand in the face of that fear and say, no, not me. I'm going to rise above. I'm going to be of a solutions mindset. You know, yes, it's doom and gloom. It sucks. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things happening right now in the, in, that are that are really terrible. A lot of good people out there suffering. And it's really, really terrible. And we could at least use our voices, you know. We we could at least use our voice to try to raise awareness of this, you know. Because the more people that are aware of it, harder it is for them to keep doing it. Right. You know. Well, and, and that's what you do so well on your show. How long have your rather what show are you most proud of? Because you have had some really brilliant episodes. Like I pointed out your conversation with Mark Passio, but do you have an episode of a hitchhiker's guide to the truth that you're most proud of? No, no, to be blunt. No, I, I don't. They all have, they all have an equally special place in my heart and mind. Each one of the people that have graced me with their presence on my show have influenced me and uh, and i'm very very grateful for each and every one of them and you know they all hold a they they all hold equal value so yeah that's that's all i can say about about that really they you know they they, not every episode is (laughs) not every episode is a zinger you know There, there have been some there have been some tough tough episodes to get through with technical difficulties and whatnot but in the end each and every one of my guests have always been incredible people, you know, every right down to every single one of them, not one, you know, now there have been some misunderstandings along the way, which is going to happen. But if we're going to make an impact on this world and try to do better and try to make the world a better place, then we need to kind of work through those misunderstandings and try to rise above, you know, There's a big problem in this community when it comes to a lack of maturity and people take things very personally. And I understand that. I I understand why people get defensive and, and everything, but sometimes we just need to talk it out and, you know, be like, okay, in the end, we want the same thing. So why are we fighting each other? It doesn't make any sense, you know? So yeah, I mean, having Mark Passio on the show was great. He's been a major influence on me. He was a good mentor, very good, very good mentor. I'm on his One Great Work Network, so it's like it's it's been an absolute pleasure to be on there and and everything. But you know, I I, I don't have <laughs> there isn't really one podcast that like stands out. To be honest, they all they're all great. Well, that's really cool to hear. Yeah, no. And one of the ones that was very different, though, was that one with 420 Jim and the Cannabis. <laughs> it was very, very different because it's like I was walking to, I, I drove down the road around the corner from my house, and here's this RV. And if people want to go and look it up, you, you'll see pictures of the RV in the video because I did like a slideshow because it was all audio. There was no video like how we're doing it right now, there was just a slideshow. And, and I took pictures of his bus. We took pictures together and everything. And I included those so people could, because we were talking about the bus and everything, but that was, an, that was a different experience because usually it's like a, an online conference or, or whatever. And there was one other one that's actually 
quite similar. I and you might like this because of where we ended up, but Joe Murray and Ivan Oyola and myself met up in Hartford, Connecticut a couple months back. And you know, it was like this meeting of the minds and it was it was a fantastic day. So there's been a couple that are different, but not better. And it's it's like, yeah, so it's like that. <laughs> well, I'll say, you know, I've checked out your show over the past, you know, day or so. It's only been a day since we set this up. And I'm impressed. I think you're doing a great job. And I love the focus that you're taking to it. And I think that you're doing, you know, a service, not just to New England, but to the whole country, because you're absolutely right about what you said about that Anarchapuco. It's a shame they did it in Mexico, not to dredge that back up, but you know, we need to see more people standing up in these places and, and not just in Texas and where people are going to easily jump on board or wherever people think, oh, yeah, people love guns there or whatever the, the cliche is. No, we need to teach people that they can become sovereign beings where they stand and what that means. Because if we don't, we could be heading towards some really serious problems as a society. And as you said earlier, and I agree with this point, as the United States, we have an opportunity to be a torch to guide the way through these tough times for the rest of the world. I mean, you see other countries adopting, you know, American ideals and but not many of them adopt our constitution. You know, they might adopt the sense of freedom, but I mean, other than like Liberia or something like or there's a country like this, the, the three countries that use the, the United States system of measurement as opposed to the metric system. Those are the countries that seem to be like most in line, but you know, it, it's getting, it's getting tough, you know? So my final point, I guess, is thank you for what you're doing, man, because I think your show is great. And I think that more people need to understand the things that you're focusing on so that it resonates. So if my show can help with that, it's a pleasure. And it's been great getting to know you. Thank you for, thank you for that. You know, it's, it's a labor of love or else I wouldn't do it. Like I said, like I, there's a lot of times where I just don't want to, I, I don't want to do it. I don't, but like, I, I understand these things. I understand these principles and I see the world around me and I see the world my children are going to have to grow up in. And if it stays this way <laughs> and with, with how I see it, if I know these things and I don't do anything. I don't do anything about it. And it stay in the world stays this way. And I grow old and gray. My children grow up in a world of chaos and I didn't do anything. Even if it just means the bare minimum of just getting behind a microphone and a camera and speaking and putting it out on the internet, like that's the bare minimum, you know, trying to spread the word about the principles of natural law. And trying to teach people about objective morality to heal this chaos. Look, I would be a fool and I would regret it. And, you know, my children still might grow up in a world full of chaos, but at least I didn't stay quiet. They said, I didn't hold this knowledge to myself. I have no right to hold this to myself. I have no right to keep it to myself. That's why I say it's a moral obligation to try to teach people about these principles to heal the world. I'm not the only one doing it, and I'm not some sort of savior. I'm just a guy who learned some things that could really help people do better. And I care enough because I got these little smiling faces 
<laughs> that depend on me in so many different ways, you know, and I want them to see, Hey, you know, my dad, you know, my, I want them to be able to say, my dad didn't stay quiet. My dad didn't, my dad didn't, you know, he, he might've complied from time to time with some pretty crazy stuff, but he didn't stay quiet. He called out some, some wrongdoings along the way, you know, and if push comes to shove, I have the ability to defend my family against some pretty nasty stuff, but it starts with the voice right? and it ends with some not so pretty stuff, you know? Well, I commend you for your integrity, man. And I, I agree that none, no one individual is going to be anyone's savior. We have to save ourselves and, and to, to lead by example is a, something that again is commendable and, and maybe we don't have enough examples in this society and that's why we ended up where we ended up. We don't have enough strong fathers like yourself in this society, unfortunately. So, yep. you know, with that being said, let's end on a little bit of a lighter note. Let's do it. <laughs> Let us know where we can find your show brother and everything you got going on. Okay. So the show is called a hitchhiker's guide to truth. You can just, you know, type that in, but you can find it live mostly every Saturday night at Free Your Mind New England. Well, <laughs> there I go. <laughs> FreeYourMindNE.com. And I'm sure you'll provide a link to that, to that in the show notes. But the show goes live every Saturday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can find my channel on Odyssey. There's a channel on YouTube. Look me up on Facebook. There's a, the, you know, you can, you can look me up on Facebook there. Basically just type a hitchhiker's guide to truth in any of your social media and something should pop up <laughs> and free your mind, New England. If you give that a, you know, a little Goog, a little Google search that, that, that my website will show up. I'm the event in September. Yep. yep. The event of uh, uh, shattering the illusion. Is a one-day online event, and we're going to be covering topics such as natural law, true anarchy, consciousness, mind control, and the occult. And we, you know, it's going to be on September twenty-fourth, twenty twenty-two, and we're starting, I think, around nine a.m., something like that. And we got a hell of a lineup of speakers, and I really implore that people go, including Mark Passio, Mark Devlin, Will Keller, Chris Jansen. I have an Oyola Jr. myself. My name is James Cordiner. Got Joe Murray, Sean McCann, and Jennifer Rose, and Vinny Eastwood. So we got we got a really all-star lineup of of people that are going to be giving presentations. Each presentation is about an hour long. And uh, we're going to be starting around 9 a.m. going through the whole day. So it's gonna be a it's gonna be a hell of a day. That's September 24th, later this year, just a, over a month away. And go to shatteringtheillusion.info to learn everything you need to know about that and more. And, uh, you know, I really, really appreciate this. You know, I'm trying to do is I'm, I'm really trying to take the next step. You know, I mean, we're doing the homeschooling thing and everything up here. And, you know, but I'm coming to realize that the whole, you know, like I said, if I do the bare minimum, that's good. That's okay. But I'm starting to realize that I'm not comfortable with that myself. So I would really like to start maybe forming a meetup group where we can discuss ideas around, you know, you know, farming, where we can discuss ideas about, you know, we can watch, you know, documentaries together and, you know, discuss things and, 
see what kind of peaceful solutions we can take to make the world a better place, you know? So I'm, I'm really starting to really starting to gear up something about, you know, this whole free your mind, new England idea, hmm. making it an organization, making it a meetup group. Yeah. Maybe, a, maybe once a month or whatever. I don't know how it would work out because like I'm, I'm a bit of a recluse, a bit of a homebody. So it's like, eh, it's my idea. Come to me. <laughs> Unfortunately, like it would be like, I, I don't know, like, I don't know how it would work out, but I'm, I'm thinking about it. And I, I don't know, even if it's like not in person, but we could even do like zoom meetings or, or whatever. And, and you know, something like that where it's not a podcast, but we still have like a community right. um, type of thing. Well, I'd love so, to be a part of that. Keep me in, in mind well, when, when you get that set up. It might be just about a part of New York, but you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm closer to New York than I am up your way, but I am planning on making a trip up to New Hampshire this summer or September rather. And yeah, I'd love to, to set up something like that in Connecticut and, and expand it, you know, and I've done a, a walking tour of skull and bones in New Haven. Cause I, you know, I can't go inside the building, but I, I've toured people past it and through some other interesting parts of New Haven. And it was great. You know, we had a couple people turn up and, and like I said earlier with this no agenda meetups website, and even the higher side chats podcast has a, a similar website. You can reach much more people because they're not like, Oh, only, you know, my show can do it. My podcast, your podcast, we can go on there and say, Hey, I have a podcast. This is where I'm based out of anybody who listens to this show would probably like my show. Well, let's all meet up and, you know, like minds stick together kind of thing. And, and that's what all media United is all about. So it's a pleasure to know you and, and have you a part of that as well. And Sean McCann, who you mentioned just now is also a part of all media United, as well as another person who I know is a part of one great network. So I'd have to double check that. But last question for you. We, I stated earlier how much I really enjoyed the music at the beginning of your podcast. Remind me of that person's name and then tell us your favorite rap album. Cause we talk about underground rap on this show from time to time. It's one of the reasons why I think the way I think it was very influential on me in my younger years. And I'd like to know what your favorite album or artist is. So the, the gentleman that does the music for my show, his name is Joe Murray. And he's a, he's a very, very good friend as well as Sean McCann. Sean McCann and I have known each other for decades. Oh, wow. And yeah. So, but Joe and I are, are co-organizers of that conference that I mentioned. And he is, he's incredible. So I want to plug his website as well. So if you want to figure out more about Joe Murray and find more of his music, go to freedomforall.online. And I'll uh, link that as well. Yeah. So that's all that you have to spell out the words. It's not like the four is like the number four or anything cheesy like that. It's just as simple as it sounds, freedom for all dot online. And that's where you can find all of Joe Murray's stuff. He's incredible. Absolutely incredible. He's a lyricist for sure. I like to call him a, a wordsmith. You know, can't sing his praises well enough, you know, any more than you know what i mean it's but yeah as far as my favorite artists and everything go i'm not really a rap guy <laughs> all right i'm not really a rap guy i'm more of a i'm more of a punk rock kid tell us about that 
So, you know, I, I'm not, I'm more of like, you know, punk rock and metal and stuff like that, you know, good, like, but I like, I like bands like, you know, like no effects, the circle jerks and, you know, guns up and, and stuff like, and the slap shot, uh, the crow mags. Okay. Hardcore bands. Okay. There's a lot of good, there's a lot of good stuff in there. I like tool a lot. I like some of the, some of the sad bastard music that people like to call it emo. I like to call it sad bastard music because it's like stuff like alkaline trio and, and and stuff like that i got a tattoo for alkaline trio on my chest you know so things like that like old skateboard music and and whatever like you know i like some ska like streetlight manifesto i'm wearing a streetlight manifesto tank top today and and you know the mad caddies and goldfinger you know these bands they've been influential in in my in my life they really brought me close to some really great people over the years and there's a there's a community in that as well and you know around where i grew up there you know there's there's a good skateboard scene which is where i like i i got into a lot of the music that i like today is through skateboarding because you know when i was a kid i'd listen to pop music and classic rock basically anything that my mom or my dad would have on the radio and that you know that's what i listened to but then i got my own musical taste and it turned out that i liked you know i liked fast drums and hard guitars and screaming into a microphone and <laughs> yeah, that's that's something that I like to like to listen to. So, and right on. you know, I like I like getting in the mosh pit and pushing people around and getting into fights and stuff like that like at certain shows. And I don't really do the fighting thing anymore. But back in my teenage and early twenties and stuff like that, I'd go to concerts and every now and then I have to to get a little rough. <laughs> but it was. You know, it was always understood that that's just how it goes. But I wish I could pull something out of my hat that I'm not even wearing about <laughs> rap music, but I, I can't really think of anything. No, that's uh, fine. Jurassic Five. Okay. Jurassic Five is a really good rap, that really good rap group that I like. Yeah, I'm familiar with them. That's awesome. I was going to say about the, the metal and, and punk music and hard rock and, and that... There's a, a group of podcasters that are part of Alt Media United, and they have a joint podcast that they do called Horns Up, and I think you would appreciate it. I'll put you in touch with them. I think you'd be a good fit to join them on the show even. But yeah, James, this has been fun, man. Thank you for sharing everything you know with here us here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy pod. I'm going to just take a wild guess and, and say that your family direct family doesn't think you're crazy but i have to ask you throughout your life has your family thought you're crazy yeah <laughs> yeah there, there's members of my family right that don't even they won't talk to me and it's actually kind of sad because i don't even know why hmm. but i have my assumptions and none of it's good yeah i'm out of the answer it still isn't good because they won't they won't, they won't talk to me. Right. They've, I've caught them lying to me about things. And uh, yeah, I have members of my family that you would think would stick up for me, but they don't. And it's almost like they're, they're the ones that are supposed to, but they won't. My wife and I have a very strong relationship. She's my family. My children are my family. You know, this is the thing that we have built together. So all of those other people, if they don't want to have anything to do with me, that's their loss. And I'm going to keep going because I got, I, I got, I got a lot of fight in me and I don't have time for haters or people that don't have time for me. I do, however, still have people that are more extended than 
than my beautiful family that that my wife and I are 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 growing and building that are very very good people and they will talk to me <laughs> and they might think I'm crazy but they're willing to discuss my ideas so for them I really hold a special place in my heart because at least they're maybe not curious but they have patience and I think that that's an important thing for people to have especially if your family because the law of correspondence dictates that if your if your family is a mess, <laughs> then your community is a mess, and if your community is a mess, then your city is a mess, and state, region, nation, world, it all zooms out right <laughs> on right. itself. Yeah, man, and geez, yeah, when you really consider the weight of each individual's choices it really should instill everybody to take action and i hope this conversation has helped people feel that same way and again i give it up to you brother because you're you're definitely doing a service and i commend you for a third time so thanks james for being here brother and, and that is our conversation Enjoy with the james Gordon and immerse yourself in the hitchhiker's guide to the you truth in you the can now. find his show on alt MediaUnited.com, the podcast cooperative that I founded. And of course, you can find it and subscribe wherever you're listening to the show right now. Um, of course, maybe not YouTube. I don't know about YouTube, but we're on YouTube. And it's about time you go and try and listen to the show on another platform. Of course, we have some content, video content on the YouTube, but most of it is behind the paywall. More about that later. If you have a podcast, let us know. I'd love to have you a part of our podcast cooperative. The only requirement is that you're a podcaster. There's no obligation to be a part of it. We aim to help you avert censorship and discover a brand new audience so we can all lift each other up and enlighten, enlighten. Speaking of which, I have a new show on the Patreon called the Synchro Wisdom Dialogue that you, yes, you can be a part of. If you're looking to start a podcast, if you'd like to collaborate with me on a project, you'd like my advice or consultation, or if you'd just like to talk and, and tell your story, chat it out and get yourself on the podcast, you can find out more information about how to become a part of that at linktr.ee slash mysticmarkpodcast. That's right. All you need to do is pay me for my time. And I will value your time. I appreciate all the time you spend listening to this show. And I'd love to talk to every single one of you. But, you know, I got a lot of things going on, a lot of bills to pay. And this is a creative way to bring new content to the Patreon and, quite frankly, more dollars in my pocket. Uh, we need to start saving up and get out of this one-bedroom apartment get our own homestead, get our own ranch where we can actually implement a lot of the solutions that James and I discussed today. So you know all the ways to support the show. We've got our Kofi store where you can find links to all the merch in the Teespring store. Not all of it, but the older stuff. We've also got the scene edition one available there. The link is in the description. And check out the link for the Teespring store. We've got shirts, we've got sweaters for this upcoming fall season, and we've got mugs for all those warm beverages that you're going to be drinking as we move into the colder months here. 
please support the show on Rockfin, Patreon, and of course Kofi. If you don't agree with Patreon, you can sign up with a monthly membership on Kofi now. Isn't that neat? Rockfin, of course, has all the videos. Patreon kind of has everything right now. And as we move forward, I hope to make the Kofi page basically uh, a clone of the Patreon. So you'll be able to pick and choose which way you'd like to support the show. Of course, you can always help us out with a one-time donation via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal. All of those links are right there in the description of this episode. And that really goes a long way, folks. It means a lot to me, and I am going to start taking note of them so I can give you proper credit. This is a value for value show. And as somebody who contributes their time, talent, or treasure to the show, uh, you deserve to be recognized. So thank you for listening. Uh, let us know if you'd like to contribute your time. And we have a new way you can contribute your talent with the Synchro Wisdom Dialogue. Whether you just want to advice or consultation or even tell your story, it could be a great way to connect and reach out to more people of course it helps us reach more people when you leave us a five-star rating and a positive review for all our apple 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 listeners please do that please 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 leave us a rating and review and that's it for today's episode big shout out to james cordner thanks for joining me on the show check out his show a hitchhiker's guide to the truth and immerse yourself in the moment, wherever you are, in the now. So, uh, We've had a good couple of weeks of shows. You know? Mark is doing a great job, even yeah. though he drives me fucking nuts yeah. sometimes. He's great. No, he's done a great job. He's done a great job. Good job, Mark. You can call uh, me Mark Palmer. Mark Palmer's cool. Mark Palmer's... It's a beautiful day to be alive. Motherfuckers. It's a beautiful day. Beautiful day. It's a beautiful day to be alive. That's all I gotta say. I don't think it's about money. I think they have so much. It's just about, it's, it's, it's a spiritual war, dude. It's so much farther. There's more power with spring flowers than pseudo-intellectuals filled by hate with the face sour. When it comes to the hour of reckoning, recollect, reconnect with days happening. Yeah, are you frowning or laughing? Are you making the grain or barely passing? Caught in the asinine like the afterlife. Obsessed with darkness after you mastered light. Cause it's faster than a blink. When it's a bastard latched to the clank. Clang. The money don't mean a damn thing. Think. Happiness ain't coming from the bank. Dang. I'm out here daydreaming. The spirit's the egg. The self is the semen. Uh, and that's cause life is the child. And it takes a village to give it the illa style. So. If your family think you crazy. You ain't got a village. No, you always got a place here. Come kick it, we chillin'. Exactly, dude. You get it, bro. You're so smart, everybody. You're so smart. Feel like I'm waking up for the first time. Crusty's on my third eye, but I'm back to the grind. Pop the blinds open, let the sun shine. Feel it on my skin like it's been sometimes. Sometimes depression got me flaking like Sisyphus. Others got me messing with mania like Icarus. And meditation helps with the sickness. Some say it's human condition, but it just isn't. There's more power in spring flowers. The circular thoughts that leave the mind devoured. 
Blurred lines between reality and fiction And some politicians get dirtier than dishes But for a minute just forget about the government I'm looking at you and I and where the love went Cause we don't need a fucking village full of cynics Need a family to foster a life worth living if it isn't And your family think you crazy Yeah And you ain't got a village I know you always got a place here Come kick it, we chillin', yeah I'm a conspiracy boy Mark Palmer's cool. How are you, brother? I'm great, man. How are you?